everyone. Episode eight of Beers, Business, and Balls. Jake Zimmer, Will Tondo. Um, I am very ecstatic that I get to go get my hair cut very soon. Um, things are opening. We have some semblance of an economy again in Rhode Island, which is good. 50% capacity for restaurants uh, by Monday, uh, the time that this podcast will get released. You can go sit down in a restaurant, which is really cool. No bars, nothing like that, but it's good. June's around, and we have some semblance of a normal life. Yes, and we will be shooting up to Providence this weekend. I'm super excited. We're going to hit our local favorites, too. We're going to be stopping at Federal Hill. We're going to be stopping at the Thirsty Beaver. Shout out Ed Brady. We're going to be hitting up some breweries. I mean... Again, like you said, Jake, there's some normalcy back into this world. The economy is going to come back stronger than ever. The weather's getting nice. I'm excited. I am excited. I, I can't be more excited. And hopefully the beaches come with it, too. Um, they are. I just yeah. wanna, all state, oh, all good. state beaches are open. Or will good. be open. Uh, and I would imagine it's in limited capacity, too. But at the very least, we get to go sit our ass outside and drink um, low-carb Bud Lights and, and seltzers. What was it? No, it was low-carb Twee the last time that we were in Newport together that we were drinking, as I recall. Yeah, someone fucked up on the order. <laughs> Got the low-carb Twee. Uh, so, good stuff. It's June. Um, we're going to have our summer in some way, shape, or form. This is episode eight. Uh, really cool guest, Zayda Mani, uh, that is going to – uh, join us for the business segment today. Um, th this is an awesome conversation we have with him. Um, we're going to be talking business. We're going to be talking uh, some stuff in, uh, about social media, about growing the brand and whatnot. Um, and then we'll hop into balls right after. Um, and again, really um, just a smart guy overall. He's TikTok famous and he's a smart guy, which doesn't really sound like they'd go together. But uh, as you'll find out in this interview, a, a great conversation that really everyone can learn with. But first, we're going to start with beers. Uh, per usual, let's do a quick cheers before we hop in. Well, we are cheersing, too. We are in June, um, beginning of the summer, so everyone's obviously all hyped up. Like Jake said, businesses are opening up, restaurants are opening up. We're getting back to some normalcy, so Let's just cheers to good health as always. The beer that I am drinking today is from your side, your neck of the woods in Bloomfield, Connecticut, uh, Thomas Hooker Brewery. Yep. It's under the Wanaka tree. It's a IPA with, and here's the description because I was reading it. It's under the Wanaka tree is inspired by the lone willow growing out of Lake Wanaka in New Zealand. Heavy doses of Sabro and New Zealand grown Motuko hops impart a deep haze and creamy head while smooth and juicy flavors of orange and coconut are abound. Oh, and it just matches with the theme. I mean, June is coming. It's a nice, smooth, tropical beer. I like it. It's sweet. It's refreshing. I gave it a four, so I enjoyed it a lot. Nice. That's, uh, there is nothing wrong, I will say time and time again, with a sweet, you know, juicy, hazy New England IPA. That's what I want. And for the second street week in a row of mentioning that, I'm not drinking it, which there's something wrong with that. Um, I mean, you're drinking something pretty good, so. I'm drinking something good, but it doesn't fit the mold of what this is now, which I've got to clean that up. I'll be better next time. I'll get that New England IPA. Um, I had a stout in my fridge uh, here in Connecticut, and I was like, huh, what could I possibly put in here? It was a spare, simple life from Treehouse. If you had not had the stout, I think it probably takes at least their top three uh, in stouts and maybe even beers overall. Uh, great, great taste if you like stouts for sure. Uh, they brew it with chocolate, marshmallows, and graham crackers, which I did not know. Um, I just thought it was a, a typical oatmeal stout, but it's not. It's actually an imperial. It's a milk stout. Absolutely delicious. This goes really well with some kind of dessert. If you're eating ice cream or you're making s'mores out by the fire, oh, incredible. It, it's a little too hot for my liking, for sure, um, right now. But this on a normal day, this gets a 4.75. This gets a 4.75. I believe that's the highest on the show thus far, 4.75. I mean, it is. When you think about all the 
beers we've reviewed, it's like, yeah, pretty good beers, but this is an elite stout. And now if you had asked me what I think of it right now, because I full transparency, I've had this beer before and I'm basing it off like a cold winter's day in February. Right now it's not doing anything more than a four, two, five for me. So put the little asterisks in the, uh, the spreadsheet and the graphics that go out it's a, it's, we'll call it an aggregate score of four or five. How's that? I remember there was one winter weekend. I forgot. We actually just went to Treehouse on the weekend and we were making beer and we had, you know, we we're making some hearty meal and we just drank like seven or eight stouts. <laughs> and it was just a strictly stout Sunday. And yeah, you know, a lot of the Treehouse ones, they just, you know, Treehouse just obviously is one of the best breweries ever, not only in New England, just whole country. And, you know, when you go there, you have those nice, juicy, hazy IPAs, but they hit the nail on the head with all of their stouts. Um, and I always enjoy them, too. But like you said, it's definitely heavy for the summertime. And that's why we also have another Seltzer Sunday pick, uh, that nice little summery light drink. And I picked up a case from Montauk, Montauk Brewery out in the, um, all the way at the end of Long Island. And they started making seltzers. And they came in a variety pack. Four, they have lemon lime, mixed berry, black cherry, and raspberry. And every time I pick up these new seltzers, they're just better than White Claws. They're just better than White Claws. Wow. Um, if I had to rank out of the four, I got to go mixed berry one, black cherry two, lemon lime three, raspberry four. But they're all close. They are all close. Mixed berry sounds good. So is that like kind of just a? That's probably exactly what it sounds like. Raspberry and blackberry and blueberry and all that shit. No? Yeah, it's literally just like a fruit medley of everything. Um, they're all in like the three seven five to four two five range. Um, definitely very refreshing. You can definitely get really creative with this too. Throw it over uh, rocks glass. Add some vodka. Add some juice to it. So it's definitely a nice little summertime drink. And that is our set. Our Sunday seltzer pick. That is, imagine being at the level of clout where you can just pour yourself a seltzer with ice in it and just pour vodka in there. Like, I don't think, I, I would be disrespecting the game if I did that. <laughs> like, gotta, I don't know, if, you just I don't know if we're at the level where we can do that and like brag about it to everybody. I just wouldn't feel right. I was seeing, I was watching videos of some guy who's just making cocktails and he was doing a lot of, um, mixed drinks with the summer shandy beer he was throwing in like it was like a vodka and simple syrup with summer shandy and another hey, what, if you put a lemon vodka in that that'd probably yeah. be delicious and there was also one that he made with a uh, blue moon and whiskey i'm like you're on to something you're on to something a blue moon in this a blue moon and whiskey would probably taste really good it's fire that's crazy it's fire I've never thought about that, and now that's all I want to do. So <laughs> it might be – maybe we'll have some kind of cocktail day where we just take a beer and just mix it with whatever vodka <laughs> or hard alcohol we can find around. Yeah. The summer's a good time for that. Exactly. But that guy on TikTok now is making those – he's kind of doing the same thing. He's combining these um, drinks with beer and just instantly chucking them and reviewing them. Like you think he's going to have a sit-down serious review – and then he just slams him. Slams <laughs> that's uh, that's fine. I would put in a plug for him, but I don't know his name, so uh, <laughs> don't waste your time there. Um, that's beers. So without further ado, let's just hop into business. Uh, we have a great guest, as we said, uh, Zaid Admani. You probably know as probably know him as Admani explains on TikTok. Um, we'll break down some business news. Like I mentioned, we're going to talk about some social media. We're going to talk about growing his brand and a lot of other good stuff. So, without further ado, here's Zayd Mani. All right, everybody, we have another great interview. We have Zayd Admani, TikTok star, Instagram star, Admani underscore <laughs> explains. Uh, he does it all with the business news, the stock market. Very entertaining, very exciting. So, Zayd, how are you? Doing pretty good. You guys are hyping me up. Now I got to deliver. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I found you on TikTok a few months ago, and I was just, like, blown away by your content. I mean, you, you've definitely broken the mold from, you know, just the dancing and all of that shit that's going on in the app. You're actually providing some interesting content, so we're happy to have you on the podcast. 
I appreciate it, man. Even though I do enjoy, enjoy some of the dancing, but yeah, I, I know I couldn't dance, so I was like, I can't. I got to mix it up. Exactly. So for those of you who don't know, Zade is down in Houston, Texas. He's actually an engineer, but also is just creating some awesome content on the internet. So tell us about how you became an influencer in this capacity and kind of what your background is on how you chose business. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, I was always interested in business, you know, like business, finance, economics, um, nearly got my economics minor, minor when I was at, uh, in college. So I was always interested in it and I've been investing since I was like 18 years old. So just cause you know, I got an engineering degree my passion for business and economics never really died down. I was always reading about the business news. So then I got, you know, I, I, I saw TikTok and I just like everybody else got on TikTok, saw all the content that was cre created and I wanted to kind of add my own twist to it, but use it more to you know, be funny, but also educational in this business niche. Cause I didn't really see that type of content on TikTok. I saw a lot of skits, saw a lot of dancing, a lot of funny stuff, but I thought I could, you know, provide uh, a unique perspective and kind of provide a way to like sort of teach business, but in a funny, entertaining way. And, uh, and then it's, to my surprise, like it took off. Yeah. Zay, to build off that too, Part of why you've been so successful, I would like to think anyway, and I'm sure Will would too, and um, you know many others, is that uh, you just are really able to um, not really dumb it down, but to um, to explain it in a really easy way. You know things that are going on in the world and historical events. So to build off that, why do you think personally uh, that the business world and you know all these events are so hard for people to understand? You know, I think it has a lot to do with the business news that is presented. You got like your CNBCs, you got your Wall Street journals, you got all these business news uh, that, that are like in the mainstream media. And they just really like to use really complicated words to make it seem like what they're talking about is super complicated. And don't get me wrong, there is a portion of stuff that is really complicated, like the finance engineering that happens. It's, it, you got to go to school, you got to understand there's like a lot of uh, high levels, there's a lot, a lot of difficult stuff there. But you can definitely teach someone probably 75 to 80% of that stuff in a way that they can understand it. And instead of using like the complicated jargons and, you know, you can really, really have like a, do it in a very conversational way. And that's kind of what I try to do is like, I mean, if you see my TikToks, it's just be, it's just kind of like two people talking to each other in like a normal, like it's how I talk to my boys when I talk about business. It's not like, I'm not like trying to do it like in an interview, super formal way. I'm just like, yo, that company's fucking awesome. This company fucking sucks. And this is why. And so I think when you, when you present it in that way, people realize like, oh, this is just, this is just kind of like these this two people talking about sports or whatever. It doesn't have to be super complicated. And um, I think that's, what's really been successful on TikTok is like, oh, this is just like a two dudes talking to each other. And it's just pretty cool. And you made a good point too, that there's so many different news outlets that, you know, kind of have contradicting points and it's hard to follow along. What are some of the, some of the news outlets that you follow to get your pieces of information? I mean, I read all the mainstream stuff. You know, I go, you know, CNBC, Business Insider, Bloomberg. I mean, I'm on, you know, I'm on all of it, right? Um, all, all the tech stuff, you know, all the, the, the tech publications, I'm on all of it. I'm reading all of it. And um, so I don't, I mean, I don't, I, that's really where I get my information. But what I really try to do is then figure out, okay, if, I, if I'm consuming this information, um, and you know, since I've been reading all this stuff for so long, I can understand some of the words that are in the articles. And then I try to think about, okay, if I was to talk about this, um, to someone who's just starting off, or if I was to talk about this with my boys, just, you know, we're just kind of hanging out. How would I, how would I talk about it? I wouldn't just say, Oh, the, the PE ratio of Walmart is this. I'd be like, yo, y'all see Walmart. They just made this much money because they, you know, they just, they're taking on Amazon because they're improving their warehouse capacities and that's going to fuck shit up because, and just, you know, have like a normal conversation and it takes a little bit of effort. That's what I think a lot of people don't realize my TikToks. I'll sometimes spend hours just kind of coming up, writing, rewriting the scripts and trying to like really, really get to the point because the one beauty of TikTok is you only have a minute. And so you really have to drive home that point with as few words as possible. Um, and so I mean, I sometimes spend, you know, like hours just kind of rewriting my scripts and make sure that I really hit the point that I'm trying to deliver. And what we were catching up about too, uh, even at the beginning of this interview, 
TikTok. When people think of TikTok, they think of doing dumb shit. They think of people <laughs> dancing around and, you know, doing the renegade dance and all that stuff. Um, and then yet we have someone like you that is actually delivering some, uh, some intellect and some things that people <laughs> should know. And yet you've had raging success as well. Why do you think that people appreciate that content, uh, even though you're a different cut of the cloth, per se? I think it comes down to, I think people watch videos for two reasons, either to be entertained or to be educated. I think those are the two fundamental reasons people consume any type of content. And so I, you know, I knew that I wasn't, I always knew that I wanted to do something in the educational space. If you can add a mix of entertainment to it, I think that's just the formula for success. Um, the perfect example is like Barstool. Those guys took sports, which is already entertaining, but they also made it, they made it even more entertaining. Um, and you know, they're still talking about sports in the educational way too. So it's just like, that's kind of how, what I saw it. I was like, you can make this stuff educational and, and, and entertaining. And as far as like success, I mean, like I said, the dancers on TikTok definitely have the higher following, which is fine. They're just not, that's just natural. Pretty girls are going to get more followers. That's just how it is. And that's just life. <laughs> but what I re <laughs> what I realized is you can definitely build a niche following um, around a subject that, you know, I thought no one would be, really, not many people would be interested in this. But when you, when you kind of like post stuff out there, you realize there's actually like a lot of people that were just so intimidated by this subject. And now, you know, if you kind of really, really remove the, the friction for them to like learn more. And so, you know, I, I, can, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but like, that's kind of what I really think is like, I wanted to make it entertaining because that's one of the reasons why people provide one of the reasons why people watch videos. And then I also wanted to make it educational. And I think if you provide both those, there's a very high chance of success. And your success definitely speaks for itself. I mean, you have over 4 million likes on TikTok. You're nearing 150, over 150,000 followers. So you've definitely caught that niche market. So how have you been engaging with your different followers? Um, obviously, you have TikTok and you have the Instagram as well. So how are you kind of following up? I mean, this is just a great example. You're hopping onto our pod and we're super thankful and super stoked to have you. But what are other ways you're engaging with your following? A lot of it just has to do with, I mean, I get a lot of DMs. People... Uh, you know, just asking random questions about the stock market, asking random questions about just, you know, what stock, what, what I think of a certain stock. So I'm answering a lot of DMs. Um, I get, you know, I try to engage in the comment section for each one of the videos. And so those are really the best ways. Reply to comments and then really answer the DMs. And that, I mean, I feel like that really helps you really build a connection with your audience because no one really wants to like, you know, if you send someone a DM, and like, they're just never going to get back to you. I, I feel like I really, you know, I feel like I owe it to my um, people that follow me and watch me that I should definitely like, you know, be part of that conversation and not just like post a video and just bounce. I want to make sure that I'm like having the conversation because if you reply to that one person, they're way more likely to come back and watch the next one and like be a fan for life. If you can continue providing value outside of just TikTok or outside of the videos, that one-to-one -one connection is just like, uh, the really the best way to really solidify that relationship with your audience. So off that one-to-one -one connection stuff, to uh, I'm wondering how much of that is just like fan mail to, for people saying, "Hey, you know, I love this stuff. Keep it up." Or um, if there's anyone that's you know maybe positive or negative giving you feedback at all, and if so, you know, are you? I, I'm also curious to see kind of how much weight you're putting into it, and you know, if it's a really good idea, are you going to throw that in your next video or? I'm wondering what that process looks like too. Yeah, Jake, it's a really good question. Like I, I take it very seriously. I spend a lot of time, you know, I basically tell people if they have any suggestions for me on any ideas for a video, shoot me a DM. And I've gotten a lot of great DMs. Um, people are like, hey, make a video about this. I don't really understand what this means. And I definitely like make it, you know, I definitely consider it very, very, you know, very heavily. And I start doing research. I'm like, yeah, this is actually a great topic. Sometimes the topics aren't good, but a lot of times I take it, I mean, I take it very seriously no matter what. And yeah, now I'm starting to get, I'm starting to get ideas from my audience because they, they're just, you know, they like, Hey, I like the way you explained that one topic. Do you mind explaining this other topic? Boom. There's my idea right there. So I've never really had a moment where I've run out of content. I mean, there's just, I mean, it's business, man. It's just changing every day. There's never, there's never a lack of content. Sometimes I can struggle with like how to frame it properly. That's really what I struggle with the most. Like, hey, how do I really, really get this message across? 
Um, but no, yeah, man, I take that stuff really seriously. I, I love it when people give me feedback, good or bad. Even when someone tells me I suck, I, I want to know why they think I suck or, 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 you know, or it's like, hey, you can improve this. Hey, you um, are too obnoxious. Hey, you're too loud. Or hey, you're not, you know, I, I, whatever feedback it is, I like hearing it and I take it seriously. And you've made a lot of great videos too. I think some of my favorite have been uh, when you would, you explain the whole Twitter, Vine, Facebook, Instagram, and like when like Vine got acquired by Twitter and Instagram got acquired by Facebook because we knew that stuff, but it was also like when it first happened, we were in like early middle school, early high school, you know? So it was kind yeah. of like seeing those videos. I was like, oh shit, that actually did happen. And like Facebook bought Instagram for a billion dollars and everyone's like, why'd they do that? That's a stupid move. And then, you know, <laughs> success it has so what are some of the videos some of the videos you've made that have been your absolute favorite i think my biggest um that kind of launched me was i did a video about the uh the financial crisis 2008 financial crisis really trying to break i mean I, that one was probably the one that took off um like my first viral hit that got like over a million views and that's what really got me to like double down on this kind of content before i was kind of making content all over the place sports what you know it's all over the place but when that video really took off and I was like, man, this is, there's, there's, there's something here. I just kind of just follow, you know, just continue to focus on content like that. So the one I made about the financial crisis was really good. I think the one I made about, um, you just mentioned, you know, like Facebook acquiring Instagram was really good. Um, Yahoo not buying Google was really good. Like there's, I think I posted those back in like December. Um, and so, yeah, that's really was my launching point. When I saw those videos, like one after another, after another, just really, really take off. I'm like, okay, there's something here. People like this kind of content. And then I just doubled down and just kind of solely focus on content like that. I'm starting to experiment a little bit now, but like from December, basically till February, March, I was just like, all right, I'm going to just nail this home. And amidst all of this, you know, TikTok probably consumes a bunch of your time. People forget you also have a full-time job and not only <laughs> do you have a full-time job, you're a civil engineer. So that's no slouch for sure. Um, we want to know more about, what your role is and what you're actually doing in the day to day. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the civil engineering, it's, it can be pretty time consuming. I mean, right now I usually I'm working on projects to help improve infrastructure, uh, mostly water, wastewater infrastructure. So, you know, like you might not realize, but how does the water get delivered to your house? There's like a, a network of pipes and pumps and like all this shit that no one, I mean, I didn't even know before I got into the industry um that is that needs to be engineered and built out to like provide water to your house and what you know what happens when you flush your toilet like where does all that all that water go and like how is it getting treated and so that's kind of what i do on a day-to-day -day basis is just like uh manage projects that are like building out infrastructure uh in, in texas so that's a it, it's it's a handful there's been there's been a lot of stressful weeks but it's it's fun it's interesting i and like you know i guess the the best part is you're providing like a you know that whatever you're working on the project that you're working on is like having a direct impact like you know people are getting clean water to their house people are ha have the ability to flush their toilets which is pretty cool so what made you choose engineering like to enter into that industry uh i mean i'm not gonna lie man i mean when you're 18 years old you're just i, mean, <laughs> I just like yeah i'm gonna i'm you know, i'm gonna i'm gonna math i can fucking do calculus let me just pick engineering uh and i, I wanted to get a technical degree you know i, I was thinking about business school and then engineering school, I didn't really think I was going to get into the engineering school, but then I did. Uh, and so I was like, well, screw it. I'm going to do it. I mean, I'm going to be an engineer. You know, when you're 18, you don't, I, mean, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And so that's kind of why I picked engineering and uh, it's worked out pretty well so far. I mean, it's a great career. Um, and like I said, it was just mostly like, Hey, I'm good at math. I did pretty good on my math SATs. Let's see if I get into the school. I did. And, and, and then I'm an engineer four years later. It's kind of like pulling one of those, like, yeah, my, whoever, like my uncle said I should be a doctor one time, let's just see what <laughs> happens. And then you wake up and you're like drowning in 250 grand of debt, like when you're 30. <laughs> yeah, but, that, uh, that one's a little bit more extreme. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So going um, on top of that, though, you're also the co-founder of CivCodes. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's just a little pet project that I'm working on with my brother, who's a software engineer. It just came out of like some frustration that I had at work of just like, fine. so, you know, in my job, I have to do with a lot of like regulatory um, codes, like local municipal codes, state codes, you know, all these like regulatory requirements that you have to meet. Uh, just, you know, because you're dealing with water and wastewater, you have to make sure that states have rules, EPA has rules, all these rules. 
and it's just a pain in the ass to find these rules sometimes. Like, where are, are all these rules? They're on all these random websites, or they're buried in the EPA website, or like the, or the state's website. And so just one thing that I thought of was like, hey, what if we just like made a website where we just had like all the, all the codes in one place? It was mostly for selfish reasons. I was like, hey, I want to like, I don't want to have to search the code every single time to find the latest and greatest codes because they're changing on sometimes even like a weekly to monthly basis. So I was like, I just want a way to, I just want a way to like have all the latest codes auto refresh on one web, on one website. And then, so I, with, my, with the help of my brother, he kind of built a web website and I just started using it personally. And I started telling my coworkers and now they use it. So I'm not like making any money out of it or I'm not like actively like developing it. It was just something that I wanted to do to scratch my own, you know, to scratch my own itch and like solve my own problem. And now it's just naturally growing um, just amongst like my coworkers and like people that I used to work with. And so it's been pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I think even if you're, you're not making money on it necessarily, it's cool to see kind of a product of your own uh, imagination and just frustrations and things like that. Um, yeah. Let's go back to the business world. Definitely. Um, we, uh, as you know, the podcast is called Beers, Business, and Ball. So business is a pretty big uh, portion right in the middle of our podcast. Um, yeah. And we talk about this a lot every week. It's, you know, uh, how's the market doing? You know, what's the, the big news going on? Um, so having said that, are there any uh, big stocks or companies that we should keep our eyes on or maybe that you've taken some interest in now? And uh, just what do you think's looking good? Man, I mean, I was... So I started, you know, back back in March when like the stock market just completely shit itself, and everyone was like, "We got to hop on this train, like it's gonna recover." And, and I so I started like day trading, which I don't typically do. I don't typically recommend anyone to day trade, <laughs> but everyone's quarantined, right? Everyone's like at home, and yeah, you know, we're still working for sure, but like you still have like access to like the stock market on your phone. You can check it a little bit with more freedom, and so shit's going wild. So I started like doing a little bit of day trading. Uh, and now I think the stock market, man, I'm, I'm kind of like not really hyped about anything. You know, it's like, it seems a bit overvalued. It's just like, it, we're almost near all time highs again. So I'm not really looking at anything, uh, specifically. Um, yeah, like there's really nothing that I have my eyes on. Uh, I was looking at airline stocks, you know, two months ago. Uh, then after Warren Buffett sold all of his stocks, I'm like, well, I don't really know if this is the, if you want to touch this anymore was looking at uh, some casino stocks, was looking at cruise stocks. And I made, I made a little bit of profit, basically flipped it when it, when it, when it came up and I was out. And then I tried like thinking about shorting some Peloton stocks. I'm like, I don't know, Peloton seems a little overvalued. Didn't go well for me. And so I was like, you know what? I'm done day trading. I don't understand the market anymore. I'm going to kind of take, you know, I'm going to sit, sit this one out again, let the markets do its thing. I, mean, I obviously have like my, you know, like, like my 401ks and stuff that are like automatically invested through robo investors. But I'm not like actively day trading that I was, you know, like on a day, like on a minute to minute basis, like watching the stocks and like seeing what's up, seeing what's down. It's just kind of like, I'm going to wait this one out. And then if the stock market drops again, I might try to get back in. And that's a good point about overvaluing too. Like, how the fuck are we not in a depression? That's what I want to know. Or a recession <laughs> at the very least. Like that's, I talk with my friends about this all the time. And I talk with my dad about this all the time. Like I, I physically don't think I've grasped yet how this country is not in a, a deep recession with unemployment being so high and, you know, no promise of uh, life as normal. It's kind of crazy to think about that. Yeah, man, I totally agree. I thought we were headed for uh, a pretty big, I mean, everyone was saying we're headed for like a recession that we like, we'd never seen before. And like a month and a half later, we're like looking at, you know, all time highs and like <laughs> the hell's going on here. So the Go stock market is being irrational, man. It's, it's crazy. And going on top of that, like, because you have a firsthand experience in Texas now, how's the whole situation with uh, COVID by you? How are things coming back to normal or? Yeah, man, here it's, uh, I mean, we started opening back up a couple weeks ago. I mean, I'm, I'm back at the office. Uh, you know, we have like, we have to wear masks and stuff, uh, but restaurants are back at 25% capacity. So, I mean, you can go in, if there's, a, if there's an open table, you can sit down or food. So yeah, things are starting to slowly return back to normal. I wouldn't say it doesn't feel like everything's, you know, it's not like not everything is open, but um, it's starting to feel like some sense of normalcy. And going on top of that. What about you guys? I mean, New York, like personally, is just shot because of the city. 
uh, New York City is just, you know, kind of like one of those main hot spots of where uh, Corona oh, yeah. landed. So New York State as a whole is still in like the phase one technicality. Um, yeah. In Long Island, I mean, restaurants are beginning to open up with the same 25% capacity. You can do outdoor seating, which is nice. Nice. Uh, in a lot of places. So it's kind of becoming somewhat normal. Um, company or other local businesses are beginning to open up again with like curbside pickup and online online orders and everything and then nice. we're based in Rhode Island where our apartment is and Rhode Island is starting to I believe they'll be in phase two next week so we yeah it's, it's June one that um, it, it's actually the the restaurants and things are opening at 50% capacity to go in so it that's definitely nice. moving in the right direction and then that's we can finally hear. get our haircut too so that that'll yeah be nice. yeah <laughs> I got my I texted my barber the second I heard that news today I texted him because we had the same barber I'm like they're open June 2nd Felix get my ass in there the first available appointment you have he's like 8 a.m let's do it man <laughs> that's what I'm saying yeah that was the biggest relief because I had to like have my wife cut my hair and it was I mean it was okay in case she listens to this, it was fine, honey. But uh, <laughs> but then as soon as the the my barber opened up, I was there the second day. I was like, I gotta get my hair cut. Big time. So you are also a University of Texas alumni. Go Longhorns. So we have a couple questions. We have a couple <laughs> questions for you. Um, are you a Kevin Durant fan? I think I, I think I have to be right. I mean, like, be, I yeah. can't not be a Kevin Durant fan. Yeah, I would though, be worried you know, saying if, you going to were, if you're like, no, I hate Kevin Durant. I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what is that? I mean, there was, I mean, there was like a a moment where I was like, fuck this guy. But like, you know what? I mean, you know, we're you know we're Longhorns. I gotta support him. So, have you had a Matthew McConaughey encounter? Man, so the year I graduate, I actually haven't because he didn't really start like teaching. He teaches there now, which is like. Yeah cool um but he didn't actually start teaching there until i think uh the year after i left the year after i graduated so i never had a chance to like meet him um which sucks but i mean you know i, I know he's he's always around campus now which i mean i, I don't want like how does this even work if you're a student you just see matthew mcconaughey just like walk into class i mean that's just crazy i've seen the videos of like people swarming him and everything and it's like <laughs> That'll definitely not fly when uh, social distancing is still a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the best encounter I had was like, I, would, uh, I was there when Vince Young decided to come back to college randomly. And yeah, I was just like walking to class and I was like, yo, yo is that Vince Young? And like, surprisingly, <laughs> no one was like bugging him, which I was like, well, this is Vince Young. And he just like had his little backpack on and just walking to class, like had his headphones in. And I was like, and I, I, didn't, I didn't do anything. I didn't take a picture or anything. I was just like, I got to run late for class. Um, and so that was kind of cool. And then, like, uh, who else did I see? And then that was kind of it. I mean, I haven't had any, like, any big-time, like, encounters with any, like, legendary Longhorn. I think, I think Colt McCoy was on camp, like, was, like, nearby, like, or something like that. But I never got a chance to, like, personally meet him or anything. And then the last question regarding Texas, who is your favorite uh, Longhorn football player? Man, that is a tough one uh, because – so I went to UT in 2010, literally the year after we lost to Alabama in the national championship game. Oh. I'm not sure how much how big of a, a big fan you guys are of college football, but um, I wasn't that big of a fan of college football, but I was like – I was so pumped because I'm like – we've been – we had been good for like a decade, UT football had. And then we just started sucking, like literally the year I came. And so I just have – I'm just so scarred by, like, UT football in general. Like, there's no one that I went to school with or any player during my time that I was like, that guy was awesome. Like, everyone just sucks, man. And so uh, my favorite player would probably have to be someone that, you know, pro probably either – probably Colt McCoy just because he was there right before I got there. You know, he got us uh, pretty far, and he's always – you know, he made the teams really solid every year. And a nice long uh, career as a backup in the NFL, too, to follow it up, right? Yeah, man, he's is he still playing at the, on the Redskins or something? He's the Giants he backup be. now. He's the Giants. He's the Giants. The Giants? Jeez. Wow. Yeah, man. Like, I mean, he's. I guess he's like you know one of those like good leadership, good locker room guys. Doesn't really cause too much drama. Uh, you know, he's probably made it. You know, probably made decent money in his in his career. So like, you know, not bad. Doesn't mean just because you're not a star doesn't mean you had a bad career, man. He's probably 100%. banking right now. He's got a lot more money than any of us do for sure. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, um, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, um, Zid, thanks so much for coming on. That's really all we have for you. Um, we, we would love to have you back uh, sometime as the months go on and we've got more business news to chat about and your TikTok uh, career evolves, of course. Um, but to close out, um, where can our listeners find you and, and how can they get in on your content? I appreciate you guys having me on. This was a lot of fun. Uh, you guys can find me on TikTok is where I usually post most of my content. Admani underscore explains. If you just look up Admani, and when you get on TikTok, you'll probably find me. And then also on Instagram as well, at Admani underscore explains. And I actually just recently launched a podcast. I was jealous of y'all's success. And I was like, I got I to gotta hop on this. <laughs> so I, uh, I launched a podcast it's called Business Banter. I literally just dropped the first episode. I think a day ago so uh check that out spotify uh, apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts and uh and then that's basically the best way to to consume my content awesome well zade thank you so much for coming on we hope you stay safe down in texas listen on his new podcast check him out on tiktok he's a great guy and uh zade take it easy man i appreciate it guys thanks will thanks jake thanks Zaid. all right peace that was just Zaid Admani. Uh, Admani underscore explains on TikTok and Twitter. Check out his social channels. Uh, really awesome dude. He also has his podcast, as he mentioned, Business Banter. Gave it a listen after we recorded. And just what you expected. I mean, this guy is so fun to listen to. He's very intelligent. He's very entertaining. And the guy is just an awesome dude all around. I mean, after we finished the interview, we hopped on a second call because he just wants like, hang out pick our brains about podcasting and just like just talk business just you know banter and shit and we talked for another hour and it was so cool to get to know that guy and he was so personable and i mean i've been a fan for him for a while but he's locked me in for a fan for life that guy's dope yeah really cool get that turned into more of you know one of those guys that you had a connection with because he was like one of your first followers on tiktok to um one of you know, a guy that's going to be around the show hopefully a lot. And uh, it's the same deal with our, our guy, Eric Dunn. You know, he was one of my first followers on Vine and we um, had engaged him before he came up and spoke at Bryant. And it's kind of the same deal. So it's cool to, to befriend the influencers that have meant something to you. And I think, um, is he just a, a baller guy, which is dope? Yeah. So I hope you enjoyed that is that's this interview. And now we're going to head into balls, the final segment of the podcast. And there's a lot of news going on. So let's just dive right into it. The first is the MLB is planning on cutting hundreds of minor leaguers, not only the players, but the organizations as well. And we've talked about that um, in previous episodes. Obviously, with this pandemic, a lot of organizations, you know, not just sports, are making huge cuts with furloughs and layoffs. And baseball is not avoiding that. The MLB is not avoiding, avoiding that. So originally it was going to be revoking them to what was it a hundred week, hundred dollars per week and a stipend. It was so they had came out with a plan back in March to uh, you know after bargaining a little bit they had decided that they're going to pay him four hundred bucks a week. So um, they basically agreed to that and they were getting that payment, which is really good. You know that's probably around on average twelve to fifteen hundred uh, a month. And although it's nothing crazy, I mean, it was something. And uh, unfortunately, they've reversed course at this point. It's just a shame because the minor leagues are such an essential piece to baseball. I mean, unless – and you don't want to even make – you want to make the hypothetical. It's like, okay, if they expand the rosters to make this work, you know, that's fine. It's like, no, this is like people's livelihoods. Everyone thinks like, oh, they're professional athletes. They're making a ton of money. Not necessarily. The minor right. leaguers are making dirt. Like most of them have a second job, a third job while trying to fight and train every day to, you know, play the sport they absolutely love. So it's a really, it's, it's such a shame to see this. So we're definitely going to have to keep more uh, in tune with this news, but yeah, it, it's, it's horrible. I mean, I understand that it's a business decision. Don't get me wrong. And I, I understand Rob Manfred's logic. It's, you know, he had to cut some costs and whatnot, but he got what he fucking wanted here. He uh, has been searching. He's been plotting all over God's green earth for an excuse to cut down the major leagues and to reduce the size. We talked about this with hubs a few weeks ago, where what kind of effects should we see uh, if something like this would happen? It's right in front of us. 
now we've got the players speaking out. You know, there's a good majority of them that have uh, kind of stayed in their lane and just thanked their organizations and moved on because they don't know what's about to happen. But there's a lot of guys still that are taking to Twitter and, and really talking about their emotions uh, and having their dream basically stripped from them. The thing about this is that they can't re-sign with another team until Robbie fucking Manfred says it's okay. Open the damn books, Robbie. We tweeted that a couple of days ago. Open up. Um, I, I mean, this has nasty, nasty implications. You think about all the minor leaguers that are cut, and you also think about the cities that have minor league teams. Think about teams that literally are responsible for cities' economies. Like all those oh, yeah. cities those down south. economies are shot. Those yeah, you, economies are if you be. were to take away, like, you know, I'm just thinking about the Lowell Spinners or something like that up in Massachusetts or, like, the Burlington Royals in North Carolina, what the fuck else do they have? Lowell, you can probably get away with whatever because you've got the Cape down there. But, like, middle of nowhere, North Carolina, you can't go down 10 hours to drive the Braves every weekend. These are these people's tourism activities, right? They're not – they're going fishing and, you know, they're hanging out on rivers during the day and they're going to games at night. So this sucks. It sucks for the fans. It sucks for the players. It sucks for everyone, really. I mean, this is going to be a huge deal, especially the way that the MLB is positioning right now their return. All the other leagues have plan of actions in place of like, we're returning July 11th, July 31st. We're going to continue the season with the NHL, NBA, and NFL, respectively. Baseball is now fighting over money. Yeah. You have the owners that don't want to – like they want to cut, cut, cut and save costs and save costs, even though they're doing so well, you know, their dinner tables are filled. And the MLB <laughs> players, you know, they don't want to take another, a second or a third pay cut. And Max Scherzer was very vocal about it. And I don't think they should. I mean, they signed a contract and like, yeah, you already took that first pay cut, but to like now continue it even more and more, it's shitty. But another way, when I read this, I forgot who I read it from is if the MLB, you know, say if this is a wash or it's not a wash this season, if the MLB needs to retain revenue and, you know, create more opportunities for cash flow, they're going to think about an expansion team, yeah. one or two, which is fine. You know, let's grow the sport. I'm all about that. But now with an expansion team, you're going to need an expansion draft. And with an expansion draft and you have no minor league teams, what the fuck's going to happen? Yeah. And I'm just putting like, again, we're trying to be as not biased as possible, but in the, perspective of we're Yankees fans right and the Yankees have such a deep minor league team and the Yankees are probably not going to cut minor league tees but if they do you have guys like Jason Dominguez who is not even he is not even sniffing triple or double a right now but he's what our top 10 ranked prospect yeah he's also a 72 overall and it'll be the show at 17 years old if that tells 17 years old right (laughs) and now that guy is considered the next Mike Trout and we're going to have to now hold on to him because he'll have to be shuffled up into the, th- into the minor leagues because we just cut a bunch of players and a bunch of teams. And now we have to reserve his spot at 17 years old. And we might lose a guy on the team like Mike Ford or Clint Frazier because we are now thinking more of the future of this guy who could be Mike Trout and two guys that will probably be playing a lot this season when the, you know, the season starts, we might have to lose them because of, because of an expansion team. Right. So, I mean, it's a nasty, nasty situation for baseball, and Manfred needs to figure it the fuck out. I, I agree. Um, and it's not like I, – I mean, they knew that the minors weren't going to play this year pretty much. They, they knew that. Um, and – it's growing more likely every day. I think to start, it was all right. You know, we're going to see if we can. It's all possible options on the table, right? Uh, now, it's it's clear that the miners won't play this year, and that that's fine. You know, I, if there's a compromise to be made, then great. You know, it's take the wash on the year. Maybe have some exhibition games. They can go play in the NECBL if they'll still let them. They can play in whatever college leagues they can hop into uh, if they're still eligible or if they've just been drafted, but I mean, it, it sucks. It's like we said, I'm not going to beat a dead horse here, but there's just nasty implications. And um, Manfred does it to figure it out. He's been a, a real puppet lately and I really don't respect him for it. But um, at, like, I genuinely don't think he likes the game of baseball. I really don't. He's a fucking lawyer. And every that's move is. that is that's happening, true. every move that's happening is 
so anti-baseball that it's like, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing? I don't know if he's, well, clearly he's not the right guy for the job. I don't know who's going to replace him, but there's a lot more people that can and should. When's his contract up? I don't know how it works. I think the commissioners have to vote to, uh, or the uh, owners have to vote to put him back in. Um, That's a good question. We'll definitely have to keep an eye on that. But transitioning into some more good news about baseball, um, Derek Jeter gets 64 hours of straight programming on MLB Network, and I'm fired up about it. I mean, ever since the Michael Jordan uh, Michael Jordan documentary dropped, I'm like, Derek Jeter's got to be next. I mean, he <laughs> needs a documentary. So it's nice to be able to see, you know, MLB Network showing the respect to him and getting all this. 64 straight hours and it is triggering a bunch of hate between Red Sox, Mets, Dodger fans, pretty much everyone who just fucking hates the Yankees and don't res- didn't respect, you know, their success. But, you know, some people are saying is this ex- uh, six- ex- sorry. Some people are saying is this excessive? <laughs> and I don't think so. I mean, I'm a Yankees fan, but taking the Yankees fan out of it, the guy is one of the best baseball players ever. He has always been a class act man. He has always just been so professional on and off the field. You, you never hear negative news about Derek Jeter. The guy deserves it. And not for nothing, I mean, he was supposed to go into the Hall of Fame in the next few weeks, and that got canceled until 2021. So let the guy get his highlights out there, you know. Let the fans enjoy it, especially when we need something to watch. And, I mean, there's a lot of memories that I know from Derek Jeter but never watched the full games or never, you know – dove into like the deeper facts of you know one of his many many incredible seasons so i'm looking forward to watching it i just can't wait until we put this on social media and stuff and all these red sox fans and really everybody else are just gonna be like he wasn't even the best shortstop on his own team i got texts today from people that i'm not gonna name right now but I was just feeding into it. I was like, yeah, man, I can't believe it. Like, Nomar was so much better than him. You know what? I'm going to put on Nomar's Hall of Fame speech right after these 64 hours. Oh, fuck, wait, that, that we can't find it? Can you find it? Shit. Hmm. Oops, sorry. You want to talk about stats? All these fucking cherry pickers are being like, oh, he had so many infield singles and errors in the field. How about this? His personal win percentage? Personal. I'm not even talking about like the teams necessarily when he was on the field he had a 593 win percentage that is by far the highest ever in the MLB that's nuts what else do you really want okay that's not good enough 3400 hits sounds good he had eight 200 hit seasons he had 150 hit seasons 17 consecutive times so 17 years in a row he goes out there and hits for 150 hits that's nuts he has the most postseason hits in the MLB, 200 on the dot. And I saw this really cool stat here. How many peers does he have in the 3,000 hit, 250 homer, 300 stolen bases, and 1,200 RBI club? That's one. And it ain't no slouch either. It's not some random guy. It's fucking, fucking Willie Mays. It's Willie Mays. He's one of the best center fielders of all time. Probably the top 10 baseball players of all time, too. He had the greatest of any final game at home of a career in MLB history. And I would argue sports history too, maybe besides Kobe dropping 61, I think in his last game, but he also played only two games with the Yankees mathematically eliminated. That's another huge stat. 2008 comes around and he does that. Uh, I believe they were playing the Sox and they went out there and, I think they won 19 to eight that game. He had a great day. And then what does he do the next year? He follows it up and wins another title. Like, do do you guys need anything else, people? Do you need to dig up some stat about how A-Rod was better or Pokey Reese was fucking better? Jesus Christ. And I mean, it's frustrating because, okay, if you take, if you say that he wasn't the best baseball player, you know, physically or statistically, then you're right. Which is fine. Yeah. Fine. No one's arguing that. The guy is the most clutch, winningest baseball player ever. I mean, that guy is literally the definition of cool, calm, and fucking collected. 
And I get it. The people want to take – it's not the year of the Yankees anymore, right? They want to take it all back for the Boston sports and glorify L.A. and Texas and Chicago and all these things. And great, all power to you. But if you're slashing facts, then they're right here. Those are all the facts. How about that? Listen, every kid in the 90s and early 2000s, no matter who your team was – when you were fucking playing baseball, you wanted to be a short shot, a shortstop, and you wanted to be like Derek Jeter. You wanted to wear number two. You wanted to have those crazy flip plays. You wanted to just be the most clutch guy in the field. You wanted to be Derek Jeter. You didn't want to be fucking Nomar. You didn't want to be Big Poppy. You wanted to be. Well, Derek. if you ask anyone in Braintree, they might have, or like anywhere in the South Shore or somewhere down there. Like, fuck off. Yeah. Rent over. Um, I don't know. <laughs> we're gonna get a lot of hate for this and i'm gassed up i am so gassed up for whatever this brings our way because if you have a problem with Derek jeter go fuck yourself yeah don't disrespect the man don't disrespect him yep so that is that we'll have to see um what the reactions are to Derek jeter 64 straight hours programming another humble plug for him uh let's move to basketball pretty interesting news coming out of the nba this week um ESPN got their hands on the vote with all the NBA GMs and they want to restart the season with just the playoffs for the most part, the preference right now. So they, uh, they had everyone vote on what they want to do. All 30 NBA GMs, 16 votes came in to continue with a normal 16 team playoffs. So just to end the regular season right now and start the normal playoffs, which I could get around, but we'll talk about that in a second. Eight of them voted to continue this season and then have a play-in tournament. Five of them, which I also think is really interested, voted to go straight to the playoffs, but also do like a World Cup-style group stage, which you probably have four teams in a group or probably more because I think it had to be either five or six. But basically whoever comes out of the group, like the top team or the top uh, two or whatever it is, will move on to the playoffs. And then one voted for the entire season to continue. And whatever happens, happens. You know, whenever it ends, it ends. That's probably James Dolan. (laughs) But just knowing how he is, dude. Oh, my God. Um, This is, I think, very similar to what the NHL uh, has to offer. Um, Gary Bettman came out a couple of days ago and said that they basically voted to end the regular season and they're moving on with it. So I think these are – very promising options. The fact that they took a vote and they're probably going to be giving an announcement pretty soon is what I would imagine. Um, these are all good options. I think with the the last one, um, I, I think I'd be down for any of these. Yeah. I mean, at this point, like they, the basketball just needs to resume and we need to find out who was a champion. Uh, there's a lot of great teams out there. You know, you would love to see LeBron win one with the Lakers. You would love to see Kawhi and, Paul George do something. You would love to see Giannis finally get over that slump and be a champion. There's a lot of great scenarios, and there's a lot of interesting points, too. Regarding the play-in game, and Woj dropped this bomb, the four teams, if they went the, the play-in game route, the Blazers, the Kings, the Spurs, and the Pelicans would get a shot in a possible uh, NBA playoff. And I heard just reading through Twitter and just listening to other news sources and podcasts that they want to do that to boost ratings because they want Zion Williamson in the fucking playoffs. I knew that's where you're going with it. I knew it. Um, and, I, and I can't say I blame them. Can you I don't blame, blame them? them? I don't blame them. No. I mean, if, if that's what it's got to take to do it, then fuck it. I mean, why not? But isn't that nuts how even yeah. through the super the superstars of the NBA, LeBron, Kawhi, um, obviously KD is not really playing, um, but like Kyrie, all those guys, they don't even put a dent in the ratings as much as Zion Williamson does. And he's isn't not that fucking rookie. crazy. He's not even rookie of the year. Yeah. The guy probably played like 20-something games this season. If – Anything about his progression in 2K tells you about (laughs) his future uh, and what they want it to be. It's fucking absurd. I'll tell you what. Uh, There's, you know, you get like three years down the road in a franchise. He's a 98. It's ridiculous. He's a chonk boy. That's what he is. (laughs) I mean, I could consider, I think I'd be certainly more than okay with the first option, you know, to continue 
to just end the season now and to start playoffs right now. You know, you end in August, whatever it is. I, I'm okay with that, definitely. I think they could probably go without the extra off days in between, too, because it's going to be in a centralized hub. Maybe they get it done in a month. I don't know. But I also think that this um, five-vote option here with this World Cup-style thing, that could be pretty interesting. We're talking single games. You know, I think it should weed the shitty teams out. And maybe they'll do pretty well, but who knows. I'm just surprised they're not mirroring the NHL. Because usually the NHL and the NBA are very parallel in regards to their decision-making, just because their seasons run, al- um, run along the same course. And especially with, like, TV programming and broadcasting opportunities, you're, I'm kind of surprised that they're not following suit in what the NHL is doing in regards to the schedule. But either way, I mean, sports are coming back. July 31st, NBA tips off. It's a very good sign. Moving on now to football. We dropped a little bomb. We're not going to say we broke this news or at least thought about, uh, thought about it first. But I, we kind of did. I did not read it anywhere. That was my own we, personal thought. That's all we, I have. Yeah, we kind of did. But Cam Newton is the – he has emerged as a potential quarterback option right after we say it in Episode 7, like days after. No one was really thinking about Cam Newton to the Steelers. And then all of a sudden, people are like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, that would be a pretty good fit. And then next thing you know, he's going to be a Steeler. And everyone's going to wonder, oh, how'd that happen? They're going to point back to episode fucking seven, which <laughs> is crazy. I want to ask you, since you're the, the teller of all truth, Will, we talked a lot about, you know, Cam would have to learn the triple option. They, they would have to mix him in on a few wildcat opportunities. Can they get away with not doing that with all the weapons they have? Or are they going to have to adjust to Cam Newton's style if he does go to Pittsburgh? I mean, Cam Newton is no slouch for an arm. The guy could be a pocket passer if he wanted to. I mean, he's no you know, Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning in that terms of a pocket passer, but the guy has an arm. The guy can ball. I mean, I think he's just like more on when, – when you think of a quarterback mold, he's more of that mobile option just from like his previous years. But, you know, his injuries with his ankle, he might have to turn to more of a pocket passer who has that elusiveness, who can, you know, juke out a, a rushing linebacker or an edge rusher he really has to but I mean the weapons he has there's nothing to slouch about you have James Conner you have Juju Smith and you have Eric Ebron which I mean in just regards to running back wide receiver tight end combinations in the league that's got to be top 10 yeah and not to mention you know a great D to anchor them a good line I mean there's nothing their, their line's no slouch either they have veterans on that line they have big boys on that offensive line too so Mike Tomlin's a good coach. Yeah, he is. And I think uh, Tomlin would – I almost feel like Tomlin's style of play in general kind of uh, – they've always been pretty quick tempo, too, from what I have known about the Steelers. Um, I, this might be a match made in heaven, and we broke that news. <laughs> I mean, it all have to say what Big Ben, you know, his conversation piece to this. I mean – I think if Cam Newton does go to the Steelers, it'll be after like whatever they call training camp or right. preseason because they're going to have to look at Big Ben in person and be like, is this our guy? <laughs> we have the talent. Do I want to waste the youth on this talent for a year to tank for a quarterback? Or should we sign a guy as Cam Newton Cameron might not even be the starter. He could be that wildcat and then take over when Big Ben gets hurt because at this point, it's not an if Big Ben get, gets hurt, it's when. It's a when, yep. The guy is, I mean, he's had a great career, you know, Super Bowl champion, um, but his time's coming up. I mean, 2003 has been in the league, so it might need a new chapter. Cam Newton, ladies and gentlemen, that's one of many, <clears throat> excuse me, of the quarterbacks that we talked about last week. We'll keep our eyes on that, too, to round out everything in sports today. This was pretty interesting. This is something that you brought up, Will, but NFL and Madden agree to a contract deal. It's actually through a 2026 season. Um, a billion dollars is going to the league. They're taking half of that for the players. Um, 
this is really interesting um, because I think the nature right now is there's more uh, branching out from the video game creators. You see the golf game uh, getting released by 2K for the first time um, ever, I think. Um, or if they have released a golf game, it hasn't really been um, it really mainstream so far. So basically EA Sports and the NFL are coming to this agreement to do Madden for another five years or six years, that is. So uh, this is cool. I, that means we're not going to get a 2K or NFL Live or anything like that version of a football video game. Madden's old reliable. You know what you're going to get every year? There, there's been some good improvements over the years. Um, I, I don't really have a, a strong thought on this. I mean, they, they've earned their spot where they are, and I really don't want to comment other than that. I love Madden. I do. I read a tweet the other day that just made me laugh that we are all brainwashed every year to buy a new Madden for just an updated roster. Yeah. <laughs> Better graphics and an updated roster just so you can play with last year, you know, who were some of the big name rookies? Kyler Murray and, you know, Marquise Brown from the Ravens. And the year before that, you have Saquon and, and guys like that. It's like every year now, this year, I will buy the game. So I can play with <laughs> Joe Burrow and I can play with Chase Young and I can do all of these things. Yeah, you know, for a fact, you're getting on Madden and you're going to put the trade sliders up and franchise and be like, all right, Joe Burrow to the fucking Giants. Like, <laughs> no, no trade Joe sliders. Joe Burrow for no Daniel Jones sliders. straight up. <laughs> no trade sliders. <laughs> all right, that's fair. I'll take it your word for it. But – I, even I was just talking about this with my friends the other day. 2K has really not improved that much. Uh, all you are really getting, right, you're just getting, I would say the updated rosters too, but it's not like you can't get those on a previous version of the game. You can just go download them. Yeah. And it's not even, it's slightly enhanced gameplay and some different campaign storylines, and that's it. That's all you're paying for. And if that's worth the 60 bucks to you, great. I mean, it's, I'd argue it's worth it to us. Like we, we do that shit, but we have to think about what it is we're actually paying for and how much this has really attested to EA pretty much controlling the market for years. Yeah. I mean, I was digging out my old Xbox 360 the other day and I had Madden 07 to Madden 16 all yep. on the 360. Loyal fan. Loyal fan. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, that's all we have for our show, uh, Beers, Business, and Balls. Uh, hope you enjoyed everything for sure. Let's pop in to Positivity Corner this week. I had it last week, so it is Will's turn, and he dug up something good. Yes, so we have seven-year-old Curtis Rogers from Raleigh, North Carolina. His um, babysitter, Rachel Chapman, who was in high school, Unfortunately, obviously, with the pandemic going on, their prom was canceled. So Mr. Curtis Rogers, this young, bright, joy seven-year-old, decided to have a socially distanced prom for her. They had included dancing, her favorite fruits. They got dressed up, and it blew up on social media. I mean, those are the good-hearted stories that you love to see, uh, especially during these crazy times, is even a little kid. You know, this kid, seven years old, He's filled with a world of negative news and politics and just bad things. And he wanted to do something for someone that was important to him. And I commend him. I mean, that's awesome. You love to hear that. So we're happy to promote that on this podcast. That's awesome. Uh, that's good to hear. Chivalry's not dead, if you will. Uh, there's just been so much stuff going on in the world right now um, with between the pandemic, between the uh, the unfortunate innocent in Minnesota. And, you know, we're not here to comment politically on those sorts of things and socially. That's not what we're here for. We're here to um, to just kind of talk about the uh, the good things in life right now and to, to talk about the things that we're passionate about. We hope that you get another conversation with us, too. Twitter is the underscore BBB underscore podcast. Instagram is the.bbb.podcast. This is the first time I did not slightly fuck up the handles, mind you. Can I get a fact check on that? That's, that is true. That is true. Because I was re-listening to last week's episode, 
and I still fucked, fucked up, up the Twitter. I said the dot underscore BBB yeah. for fucking Twitter. I don't know anymore, but I got it right. Um, we're going to be posting some stuff. Uh, obviously, we've got polls going out all the time. Vote. Go and tell us what you like. Keep the DMs coming, too, people. We love this stuff. We love getting DM. We love uh, hearing what you have to say. Disclaimer that if you do DM us, you're giving us the right to tell, all our, to tell everyone. We're going to tell everyone what you think of this podcast and evangelize the good word. Um, so that's all we have. Looking forward to episode nine next week. But until then, that's Will and I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy. Mm-hmm.